The Journal presents the Good Information Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Good Information Podcast, a series where the Journal gets to grips with 15 major topics that our audience has told us are impacting their daily lives and focusing their minds on the future. I'm Susan Daly, Managing Editor of The Journal, where the Good Information Project has been giving readers the opportunity to engage directly with editors and journalists on these issues. With you, we've looked at their impact on Ireland and on our place in the wider EU. In this episode, we are asking, what will the relationship between the EU, Ireland and the UK look like in this post-Brexit world? We'll attempt to answer this tricky question, but here's what you told us about where you stand on the issue. I don't think much of the current government, but have met thousands of British people through work. The vast majority I've met have been nice to deal with, fun to talk to and genuinely interested in Irish culture. That hasn't changed at all, thankfully, post-Brexit. As a six-year naturalised Brit in Ireland, I find myself dumbfounded by my ex-countrymen's ability to continue on this Brexit-fueled, conservative-enabled downward spiral of self-harm. That they continue to think they have any relevance on the world stage with that utter clown Bojo at the helm is beyond belief. I continue to be surprised by Ireland, its people and culture, and would not swap it for any other place. And I've lived in other countries besides the UK. Shocking how the current British government have lost all sense of integrity, honesty, and most serious of all is the use of Northern Ireland as a political football with no regard to the disastrous results which could very well ensue. History will not be kind or sympathetic to the many Muppets in the current Conservative Party and especially Lord Frost, unelected. So what's the wider view? The Good Information Project producer Carl Kinsler has been taking the measure of where the attitudes of Irish citizens have shifted on a post-Brexit UK. When viewed in the shadow of global catastrophes, Brexit can sometimes seem a quaint or parochial concern. However, six years on from the UK's fateful decision to leave the European Union, the effects are still being felt on both sides of the Irish Sea. Ramifications have been felt not least in areas of trade and the macro economy, but a poll conducted by Ireland Thinks on behalf of the Good Information Project found that individual personal attitudes towards the United Kingdom have also shifted. A poll of 1,453 people taken in December 2021 found that 63% of Irish people reported having changed their attitudes towards Britain since the Brexit process began, compared to 34% who have not changed their minds. Only 2% of respondents selected the don't know option. Across all age cohorts, at least 60% of respondents have changed their view of Britain in the last six years. Among political party affiliations, Green Party and Social Democrat voters were especially likely to say their views on Britain have changed since Brexit at 86% and 75% respectively. That was followed by 65% of Fine Gael voters, 64% of Fianna Fáil voters, 62% of Sinn Féin voters and 61% of people before profit voters. Among political party affiliations, 
Green Party and Social Democrat voters were especially likely to say that their views on Britain have changed since Brexit at 86% and 75% respectively. But this figure didn't drop below 60% regardless of party affiliation. Of those roughly two thirds who say that their view of Britain has changed, just about all of them confirmed that their view has changed for the worst. An utterly comprehensive 95%. That was from a sample size of 915. Just 3% of those asked said that their view of the UK had changed for the better since Brexit. Demographically, this was related with people who identified themselves as ain't two voters, an outsized 25% of which said they had changed their view of Britain for the better. That score was 3% or lower for every other major political party affiliation. Those 8% for those who categorised themselves as independent voters. Speaking to the journal, Dr. Etain Tanham, a lecturer in international peace studies at Trinity College, said that Ireland has been particularly hit in the aftermath of Brexit, though the implications are being seen across the board in the EU. As things stand, Brexit is not something that has an end in sight. Instead, it's the name we've given to the new relationship between the UK and Europe, and more specifically, the UK and Ireland. Changes in circumstances will continue to drive changes in attitude, but so far, Brexit has done very severe damage to the Irish perception of the UK. Now let's get to the facts of the matter. I'm joined by the journal's stalwart Brexit reporter, Gronje Nye, to discuss the key questions that are still live on this issue. Welcome, Gronje. Tell me this. The Northern Ireland Protocol has remained a very big issue in the aftermath of Brexit. Is it still under threat? It definitely is. And since it first, its first inception in the summer of 2017, when it was called the backstop, it's been a constant source of criticism. It has threatened to derail the Brexit talks and a trade deal entirely. And it's been constantly criticised by the British government as being this kind of um, block to uh, the union. It's been crit- criticised by unionists by being a block to their relationship with the United Kingdom. And it's on the, the flip side of it, the Irish government has said, without this, we cannot have a Brexit deal. And the Europe, Europe, European Union, despite concerns about it at the start, has backed that, uh, that belief up that it is needed in Brexit talks. But it's a funny thing because all the protocol does, all the protocol is, is a set of rules that uh, allow Northern Ireland to trade as fluently and as freely and as smoothly as possible with both the European Union and the UK. And a border had to go somewhere. And where this has become such a contentious issue is where is the least worst place to put that border, even if it is just a customs trade or regulatory border. So where the UK government and the EU both settled on is a trade border along the Irish Sea in relation to some goods. And the UK and the EU both signed up to that, but both had a different vision of how it would be enacted. And that's that's partly the reason why we're seeing it back in the headlines again and again. Another part of the reason is that it's basically a really complicated issue for Northern Ireland politics because it comes back to what side of the divide are you on? Are you green or are you orange? Are you pro-protocol? Are you anti-protocol? Are you pro-Brexit or are you anti-Brexit? And because of that, it's almost like a wound that has never properly healed because every now and again it flares up in the media and the thing happens all over again. And particularly because of the Northern Ireland elections, it is being used as a campaigning tool to kind of signify the importance of political parties and the, the need to kind of stay along those very divided parts of uh, politics in Northern Ireland. And 
you know, as one expert said, it was never going to go away purely because of that. And to some extent, the EU has refrained from getting too involved with talks with the EU about how to solve these issues until until that election happens and there's more certainty about who they are negotiating with and what uh, the people in charge of Northern Ireland uh, will want. So it was never going to really leave our headlines for a number of, of issues, politics probably being the, the number one reason. Relations between Ireland, the UK and the EU seemed to be in tatters at Christmas. Has that changed? Uh Things are getting better all the time, I suppose, in the sense that they're learning how to talk to each other about things they disagree with more and more. Um, where we shouldn't be surprised when we see the EU and the UK argue. And by, ex- by an extension of that, we shouldn't be surprised when Ireland and the UK argue over policies, particularly in relation to how citizens are treated and the Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, you know, f- one example of that recently was uh, when Jacob Rees-Moggs was talking about this legislation that the UK government is going to bring in or is working on to adjust uh, the Northern Ireland Protocol. And basically what he said was, this is something that we signed up to, not because we agreed with it, but because we wanted to change it. And obviously that is completely at odds with international, uh, you know, negotiations over a deal when you agree to something. It's an agreement. Um, The UK and the EU are obviously in talks to change that and tweak it to make it work better. But the core principle is still agreed. That's the basis of those talks. But in response to that, Simon Coveney retweeted that interview or those statements from Jacob Rees-Mogg, who was a Brexit minister in the UK government. And he said that people wonder why trust is in short supply. And that's kind of a a good um, litmus test of where relations are with the UK government. They disagree with kind of various policy um, issues in relation to the protocol and Brexit and EU citizens and free movement of people. But they are getting on with the, with the work day to day. You know, you will probably have Simon Coveney's people talking to Jacob Rees-Mogg's people that very same day or week about various issues that need to get done, despite the kind of political back and forth that we see in the public arena. Generally, there are really good relations between Whitehall and uh, Iraq, the staff members, because of the close relations the two countries have had. And that's not expected to change at all. But we are going to see tete-a-tetes between UK ministers and Irish ministers over various um, issues, not just this year and not just while there's kind of turmoil over the Northern Ireland Protocol, but well into the future of, of uh, for, for, for definitely the short and medium term. Gwonya, of course, Brexit has been dwarfed understandably in the recent news cycle by other major stories. Can we expect it to make a roaring return? It's really hard to predict how the news cycle is going to change over the next while. Um, and particularly in relation to Brexit, it's always been hard to predict because you're basically at the whim of the UK government primarily and what you know they might do. I mentioned the legislation there that they're talking about introducing to amend the Northern Ireland Protocol. Like Those types of things are hard to predict. But one thing we can say is that every time the UK government is in trouble domestically, something about Brexit tends to flare up soon or around that time. We saw it with um, the Northern Ireland Protocol again and again during talks. It was brought up when there were issues domestically. We saw Article 16 flared up around the time that there was an issue with a Tory MP um, vote on a vote on a Tory MP being suspended over uh, a, a, the findings of a report. 
and that soon around that time there were reports that Article 16 might be triggered. And now we're seeing an issue again soon after Boris Johnson was fined for breaking coronavirus related um, rules that there's uh, this legislation coming forward about the Northern Ireland Protocol. So it's hard to know. There is definitely a correlation, whether it's causation, we don't know. But for as long as um, a party is in government in the UK that has Brexit as one of its main pillars and is using it as a lightning rod electorally to kind of rally voters, we are going to see Brexit still in the headlines in Ireland is going to have massive uh, uh, effects on businesses and citizens um, in the long term. And uh, on a really basic level, the protocol hasn't been fully implemented yet. So we're going to see new rules come into force this year and next year that haven't been fully implemented yet. So we're definitely going to see a bit more of it in the headlines to what extent definitely depends on the UK government and wider global politics. Thanks for that analysis, Gronje. We'll give the last word to Ronan Duffy in our Open Newsroom webinar. He told us that Ireland is taking the opportunity to navigate a new path for itself in Europe without the UK at its side. There has been a, a huge understanding and importance placed on Ireland's position within the EU. And we see the lengths that we're, that we're gone to to defend Ireland's position when it, comes to the pro, when it comes to the protocol and trade. And I think in many ways that might help Ireland going forward in a sense that you know, it, it forced Ireland's interests to be at the centre of Europe interests, and it showed that Ireland was, you know, a small country amongst 27 other member states. But when an issue that was vital for that country, you know, Europe stepped up and, and and kind of acted as one, and that in some ways has has strengthened Ireland's relationship with Europe. We've seen that with you know polling how Irish support for European Union and institutions is stronger than it's ever been. But I also think that that's been shown amongst. Irish politicians and Irish diplomats who have who have been at the centre of things for the past couple of years and have been forced to develop those kind of alliances. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Information Podcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by Adrian Carty with research by Carl Kinsler and additional journalism from the Good Information Project team. Go to thejournal.ie to find out more about the entire Good Information Project and email us at goodinformation at thejournal.ie with your feedback and questions. If you want to hear more episodes in this series, find us at the Good Information Podcast on the Journal app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Good Information Project is co-funded by Journal Media and a grant programme from the European Parliament.